Minute And welcome to another edition of the Mighty Sports Minute I am your host, Talent T. Taylor Yeah, it's about, what's it, Tuesday night, the day after MLK Day It's about 55 degrees sitting here in Florida But you know what I say, regardless of the time and regardless of the weather It's always a good time to talk some sports So let's start talking we got a whole show lined up for you. If you caught them games on MLK Day, then, then you saw a couple of old-time games. You saw a 50-burger in the mess. Like, you saw a whole bunch of things. We ain't even going to talk about that, but we may just talk about this. We got the we got the NFC and the, and the AFC Championship games coming up. Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady. Cam Newton versus Carson Palmer. Bananas everywhere. Tennis is being corrupted on some way, some level, some way, some shape, some form. We got we got two awards to get off for the show, but you know we just gonna get right into it today. <laughs> yeah, I apologize if I sound a little extra today. I may be a little overexcited, but that's because of exactly what we got going on today. First and first, first, first and first, first, first and foremost, did you see them NBA games on Martin Luther King Day? I mean, I'm at work, and I'm sitting here like, man, the Knicks game came on at 1. So I pulled up the NBA TV app, or the NBA app on my phone, popped over the Knicks game. That's one thing beautiful about being a Knicks fan, and I happen to be located in Florida, is that my games are never blacked out. The only games I have to worry about being blacked out are Miami, and I can give two <laughs> hoots, <laughs> shits, hoots, hootsits, hoot sweets. <laughs> I can give two of those if my my Miami games are blacked out that night. I can always come back and watch them like three days later on a condensed version, you know? So, but man, Golden State versus Cleveland. Like, we're going to talk about them first because Curry and Golden State night was flat out en fuego. They, like, let's put it this way. Like, this is like, they came out... They came out with the sense of urgency that I thought that Cleveland was going to come out with. And, you know, like, you come into the game wanting to watch a couple of things. Like, thinking it's going to be a good game because it was a good game the last time. I'm like, oh, Kyrie Irving's back. And I know Kyrie Irving's been kind of boogie-woogie-woogie and doing his thing, you know, for the last couple of weeks. You know, dancing and prancing all over people. Like I said, he take, he does a lot of talking. So that torque takes a lot of toll on his body. So I'm looking at him. I'm like, okay, I want to see this matchup here. And unfortunately, I don't get a chance to see that matchup because Stephen Curry and Golden State Warriors are having the freaking night of their lives. I mean, they are smacking Cleveland around, taking their bikes, you know what I mean? Lifting them upside down, shaking them down for their lunch money. You're talking about like... You guys out there with your sensitivity talk about you don't like to see bullies? Well, Golden State just bullied Cleveland. There was no reason for that. And so I'm, I'm getting ready or I'm wanting to watch Stephen Curry versus Kyrie Irving and see if that becomes a matchup. But based off the kind of game that Stephen Curry and Golden State were, like Kyrie Irving completely freaking disappears to me on the court. And that's the bad thing. Like, almost everybody... From Golden State kind of disappears and it ends up being, oh, what is Golden State doing? 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 You understand? 
That, okay, I don't, oh, I don't know if you guys, like, if you haven't heard yet, then you guys should understand. They had them down by 40, was it 30, 40, 30-something 30 points. I want to say they even got up to 40, but, I, I you know, I may be exaggerating a little bit if I go that high. Actually, no, it was 40. Yes. They had them, up, they had them down by 40-something points at one point in time. You understand? That's the kind of beating that Cleveland took. Like, you hey, you understand? There was one point in time, <laughs> and I know that you guys have seen this GIF, this GIF, whatever they want to call it, whatever they're arguing about with it. Now, like, have y'all seen that? This GIF and GIF argument? Like, I'm not even going to get there, because if I go there, then I just made the tour way too far from where I want to go. Which I may have done already. But no, here we go. That's how that GIF even came up. So did you see the GIF where they just show LeBron James with this look on his face as like, he goes to post up, whoever he's posted up, and Stephen Curry comes and steals the ball, and LeBron has this look on his face that just says, Oh man, oh man, oh man, not again. Yeah, <laughs> it was just complete and utter defeat, straight from the beginning, and you know what? Not not for nothing. I don't feel and I don't feel sorry for LeBron for a bunch of reasons. And it's not for the fact that I haven't liked LeBron since he was a junior in high school. No, no, it has nothing to do with that <laughs> at, at all, right? LeBron made his bed, and now all of a sudden he's having a problem laying in it. Like, he's talking about guys that need to finish and how and how they need to have a sense of urgency. And he's been sending um, Kevin Love um, messages of how he needs to try not to fit in, but fit out, but not fit out, but fit into his skinny jeans while he dunks his chocolate milk. You, you understand that LeBron handpicked this team. LeBron is the one that got Andrew Wiggins. That would have been great right now to have another guy that could at least play the small forward position while LeBron moved up to the powered forward position and was guarding guys like Draymond Green. Instead, they got Kevin Love out there because Kevin Love is who he is, who LeBron James wanted out there. Kevin, you know what I mean? LeBron James is the one that, that wanted Mo Williams. You, you understand? Like LeBron James is the one that's, that's saying to guys like James, "As long as I'm in this league, you always have a job." LeBron is the one that put this team together. So do not. I don't feel sorry for God for for him. He made this bet, and now he's having a problem. Look, um, now he's having a problem sleeping in it. Yeah, like, you understand that this whole entire time that. Finally, like you see in J.R. Smith become J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert unfortunately looks up to J.R. Smith So I don't see where his growth process really goes it's, 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 it's no surprise that these guys are once again Disappearing in the big moments or disappearing when it matters These are the issues that we as Knicks fans were going through And the thing about it, Shumpert was a fan favorite So getting rid of Shumpert was almost blasphemous like they could have gotten rid of they could have gotten rid of J.R. Smith two years ago and let Shumper go through his ups and downs. Shumper still would have been in the heart of the city. But nah, that's what these guys are. And and I realized something. And and he said it himself. Like and I said, LeBron is the one that's complaining, but LeBron is the one that did this to himself. LeBron said we have a, we don't have we have guys that aren't used to winning, which is true. I mean, you left Cleveland, which got Cleveland the number one pick to get Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving has struggled for the four years that you've been in Miami, right? So Kyrie Irving hasn't learned how to win. He's just learned how to put up numbers. Kevin Love has been has been over in Minnesota, not winning, missing the playoffs every year, but doing just enough to, to get this max contract.
but losing, 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 losing. Listen, as much as it's going to hurt for me to say this next thing, J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert, the majority of their years with the Knicks weren't successful. Well, let's say they were, about, they were about half and half. I think they had like two up and two down, or something close to that, maybe. But the majority of their time in New York was dealt with stress, and Shumpert had injuries, and J.R. Smith couldn't get right, and they had an up and down roller coaster, and they went through. And they and they seen Amari Stoudemire come through and have a record amount break um a record breaking amount of thirty point games and then have Linsanity come over and then have Melo come over and then have Jason Kidd and and Rasheed Wallace and all them was it Rasheed Wallace I want to say yeah Rasheed Rasheed Wallace and, and all them veterans Kirk Thomas and all them guys come back and help us get to another one just to have a fortunate season just to have a fortunate season just now to have this guy you understand <laughs> I don't even know where I was going with that one anymore but. Listen, this is what happened. So J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert aren't used to any consistency either. But what, what J.R. Smith is consistently used to is making a complete jackass of himself, you know what I mean, when his team needs him and not being able, and not being there. He thrives at that. Iman Shumpert, Iman Shumpert uh, will give you the ultimate heart whatsoever, but Iman Shumpert isn't a consistent guy that you need him to be. And, and, and that may be like his 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 biggest setback, is that he just isn't consistent, but he can play D. Uh he just needs to be. He just needs to focus on ten points a game through fast breaks and defense, and rebounds. Not putbacks, but rebounds. Because every time he tries that putback dunk, like at least thirty percent of the time, it's, it's been unsuccessful. But LeBron James is the one that set this team up like this. You have to understand, like he's the one that ultimately got you know I mean the majority of these pieces put together. I'm telling you, when this team said. When, it, when he initially was going to this team, and I'm like, you're going to have Kyrie Irving plus an Andrew Wiggins plus, uh, crap, who was it, who was it, Deion Waiters plus LeBron James plus a Thompson. Like, I understand, like, I thought this team was going to fly up and down the court. Like, you, wasn't, you weren't going to be able to keep up with them. Because who's going to LeBron James at the four? Like LeBron James should have manned up and just played the four, but now look at it, stretch four, real like 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 Draymond Green is is playing stretch four better than 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 well he's playing the stretch four position. You know what I mean? Like 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 the first to ever really do it. I said, you know what I mean? Like really really good, at the, from the power forward. This like oh man, which could have been LeBron this year, with for Andrew Wiggins to teach him, with for Deion Waiters and that other guy that said he was losing weight. You know what I mean? Because LeBron was coming, so he was going to at least try to show some effort. Like I said, LeBron is the kind of dude that could have taken any team to the Eastern Conference Championship. Any team whatsoever. He could have taken that team. And most likely, he probably would have lost to that team too. But that team would have been better matched up for what you have to withhold against Golden State and how this league is slightly shifted. Because, listen, while Kevin Love is a shift in the right direction where the league is going, you may have just gotten him one year too late. And, and that may be the biggest thing there, where he just may be still a little bit too, 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 <laughs> like too stationary to be a true stretch, a true stretch for in the league. Because look at it like, like if you put him on Draymond, like, and think about it, like Kevin Love could hit that, could, could, is an outside banger. I mean, you, you can even get um Lamarcus Aldridge as, as, a, as a kind of stretch four. But are either one of them keeping up with Draymond Green? 
And Draymond Green is still out there snatching 10 rebounds. And Draymond Green is out there stat, um, dishing out 10 assists. And he's putting up double-digit points. And he's being the consistent glue guy for his team. So when so when so when they lost to Denver the other guy the other day, and I and I told you like, listen, I'm not surprised because Draymond Green wasn't out there, and he's the and, and they got out rebounded and out hustled and out energized. That's him. That's what Draymond Green is doing for Golden State on a night in night out basis. LeBron James could have played stretch four for two years. You understand? Like, like, LeBron James may just be forced to go there now anyway because the league is just getting smaller. Like, really, really is getting smaller because you're going to have to keep trying to beat Golden State. Or you're going to have to try to beat San Antonio. But San Antonio is a lot older than Golden State is. So Golden State is going to be doing their thing a lot longer than San Antonio is going to be doing their thing. And eventually, yes, Ky Ky Kawhi Leonard is going to be slid into that four position. Listen, Paul George is there at the power uh, um, in Indiana. Like he hasn't figured out the whole rebounding and, and passing yet, but pff, it's the reason why he's why he's still in the top ten in scoring or top five in scoring. But listen, now forget about the top five in scores. Like I said, if you watched the that those those Martin Luther King games last night, you know, starting from the matinee all the way all the way to the primetime games, then you even got a chance to witness the first ever, which I thought was surprising when I heard it. The first 50-point scorer ever in Charlotte Bobcats history. Charlotte Hornets history. I'm sorry. Charlotte's franchise history. <laughs> and Kimber Walker. Kimber Walker. 5'10", what, probably 185 pounds out of Connecticut. But, listen, Kimber Walker, not, 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 not to lie, not, uh, not for nothing. If, if Kimber Walker... Listen, based off what Kimber Walker was drafted, he he maybe he still is underachieving. Let's just put it that way. Let's just flat out put it that way. Kimber Walker should be scoring fifty point games. Kimber Walker was a high draft pick. Kimber Walker, based off what he did that year, because I, I don't know if you guys watched that year, based you know on in, during the Invitationals that they have like the Hawaii Invitationals, you know running through those, um, going through the tournament. You understand? Um, Connecticut, you know, I think in the middle, like their season was kind of up and down, but in the tournament, and in, in, in any tournament they were in, they were undefeated. They, they won every single tournament. Invitationals, the Hawaii one, the, 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 the one that they have before the season, they also stuck. I think they have like two of them for the, um, for the conference that Connecticut is in, UConn is in. So, Big East? Sorry, yes, that's what I was trying to remember. <laughs> for the Big East, you know? So, yeah, I mean, Kimmel Walker, I, I, I guess Kasai is kind of due for a 50-point game because he's always been a dynamic scorer. Like, listen, it took double overtime to do it, but at least it it was it was double overtime to win 50 games. And, I mean, not 50 games, but to score 50 points and not double overtime just to beat the worst team in the league like the Knicks needed. Not only did it take them double overtime to beat the worst team in the league, but it also cost them... Their starting power forward and their backup power forward in Thomas and 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 KP Porzingis. <clears throat> yeah, Porzingis took a back like has a foot injury that he's trying to deal with. And Thomas, I don't know if you guys caught it when it was late in the game and he landed kind of bad. You just saw him kind of hesitating underneath the rim. I was I, I was curious ever since that point to hear what was gonna happen. And yep, no doubt he I he strained his knee. I thought I was hoping. And that's the thing about it. I was hoping it was gonna be like 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 a like a left calf issue, like you know what I mean? Like he strained a calf or a ham, not calf, but like a hamstring or 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 a quad. But unfortunately, 
end up being his knee. So we're going to see what happens with him. But listen, the Knicks did. I listen, I, I, I've learned I've learned this really quick, right? This season, right? Knicks fans are retorted. And, and you can't listen to half, half the shit that half of them say because they are way too on one side of the coin. Like... I have I have I have my I have some of my boys over here talking about oh Derek Fisher needs to go because Derek Fisher doesn't need to you know doesn't know what he's doing yeah you may be right you know what I mean partly but cause, you know because he's a second year coach that got experimenting but I asked him that based off really just trying to figure out like what were you expecting Derek Fisher to do with with this particular team when the season started because I don't think most people had us at five hundred until they saw Porzingis starting to play good and then kind of figured hey. Porzingis meshes well with Williams and all these other guys, and there's a good chemistry. And you know what? Maybe these teams could be better with a different coach. You know, they're utilizing them better. But you have to understand the cohesiveness, the cohesiveness that they have now was built through Derek Fisher's consistency with hustle and defense. And I, and I think I heard, who did I hear say this? Uh, but. Like so, you can't take, you can't all of a sudden say, I I want him gone, or that I need him, or or that I want Derek Fisher to be replaced when he hasn't had the adequate time as as this coach or a coach to really figure things out. They need like he needs to figure like I want the Knicks to get some consistency for once in their life, and I think that's what Phil Jackson is up there trying to accomplish more than anything else is to find a way to get the Knicks to be a consistent winning franchise to get something behind being a Nick again because for a very long time being a Nick was just meaning like playing in the going and being in New York City and that was really about it we have no winning way about us we have no model we have no we have a franchise have no image like the Lakers have an image Miami Heat even have a him image. The Miami Heat have an image since getting um Pat Riley. You understand? A consistent image that you can sell to players, to advertisers, to 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 teammates, to to the future, to the past, to the present, to the fans, everything. So when I hear that these people keep saying that, oh, we need to find a way to get rid of Melo so that so that we can get Porzingis in there. Do you not realize that we have not won a game without Melo this season? And do you not realize that also at the same at the same token, we struggle when Porzingis is out the game? Like I watched that overtime, like that on um, that game yesterday with those double overtimes. Part of the reason we struggled is because we didn't have Porzingis there anymore. Part of the reason why we lost that why, why we have all those losses or some of those losses, just like three straight in a row, is because Melo wasn't there with us. Because those two guys all commanded in their own right. And and when I'm watching Porzingis, it makes me realize one thing. <clears throat> Porzingis may be the ultimate example of what Melo and we always wanted out of Stoudemire. And yet, you want to get rid of finally having that dual piece together. Where that space that Melo likes to function in is wide the fuck open. Why? Because you have a power forward or a big or at least one big man that can function all the way out to the three-point line. All the way out to the three-point line and beyond. But yet, you wanna you wanna you wanna after 41 games, 
break up that combination for some odd reason. You understand? Even the fact that Derek Fisher's there, and he's and he's and he's getting through to these guys, and 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 and, and he has them playing with a purpose. You want to take that out of there, not not knowing how many of these other bench players that actually are playing hard because of Derek Fisher and the way he's been treating them and, and what he's been doing with them, not knowing if that's going to completely deter them and derail them. They become unmotivated, and now we get somebody in there. We have no no kind of bench production. There's a lot of things that I'm hoping for. Like, Jeremy and Grant has had a kid. I'm hoping that this kid helps him focus on his point guard play, and he becomes that point guard that we need. Because if it's, if it's more evident than anything else, besides the attractions and the additions and the coaching other than that, we need to solidify spots. And one of the spots that we need to solidify is the point guard position. But we're not gonna do we're not gonna do that at the expense of our starting small forward, of our starting point guard. I'm sorry, power forward. So so when, so when these Knicks fans are talking this mess, you guys really need to stop because you're sounding stupid. I'm sorry, but like this is coming from a diehard Knicks fan. And, and what I'm telling you is that you guys need patience sometimes. You talk, you go you go way too impatient, and you don't you don't allow yourself to see and enjoy your process. And this is one of the few times that we are putting through a process that can last and be sustained once again for a 20-year time span. Because if we build a culture in New York, then that culture will not go away. It is going to be something that is passed down from generation to generation to make people now not only come to the garden, but come, with, come and play with a sense of urgency and a sense of pride and with a winning mentality. Because we haven't had that. In, in almost two damn decades. I'm sorry. You know what? We're going to take a quick break. I'll be back. When we come back, we're going to hand out a couple of awards. Actually, you know what? Just because we are still talking about basketball. Actually, you know, we'll hand out a couple of awards when I get back. you for listening as you already heard multi vest gates play more save more and i got a couple of wars to hand out like, like I, i've seen some stuff this weekend uh, or, or these last couple of days and i have to hand them out because you know listen we're not gonna leave we're not just gonna let people slide by just doing whatever they want to actually who really cares what they want to do but you know there's a couple of things that you know that you know that i'm gonna have to call out when i see it and it's either stupidity or just dirtiness. Stupidity and dirtiness. Stupidity and dirtiness. So, the very first one. Is the Richard Cranium. <laughs> award and that goes to Matt Barnes right 
Seriously. Like, you know what? Like I said, I, I think I get it. Did I get this in last week, too? I don't know. I, I don't know what to do this, though, but... Like, I think I... I mean, like, this, this dude, dude is... Like, he's a former Nick, too, so... I usually don't like to talk trash about former Knicks, but... Like... Matt Barnes goes out and says... You know what? I'm not always going to be a basketball player. Eventually, I'm going to see him when I retire. So that means that even in a, even in, in the next environment, right, or the next the, the next time there's an altercation, you you won't be able to use Matt Barnes the the allegation or the alibi saying that, oh, I didn't go there in intent to cause harm or whatever, which which is which I find a complete lie because if you didn't go there to cause harm, why didn't you try to communicate? But why didn't you try to make some kind of communication with the adults in the matter, you know, over the phone instead of driving? What did he, what did he drive? Like 200 miles, 100 miles, 150 miles, 100 miles? 100 miles. Right? Before driving over 100 miles to go burst into your ex your ex-girl's house that I believe should have a restraining order on you because you whooped the ass before. You know what I mean? But yet you're saying that you didn't come there with any violence. I'm sorry, you have you have a violent background. Now, I mean, not, not only against men, but you a bitch-ass nigga, and you beat women. Like, that's, that's, that's really what it is. <laughs> like, you can call it what you want to call it. Like, you a bitch-ass dude. Like, 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 you was beating on your wife. And anybody that's listening to this podcast... And think I may be going on the line because you beat your wife too and don't appreciate me calling him a bitch ass nigga. Well, guess what? You a bitch ass nigga too. If you beating on any kind of woman that's in your life, you a bitch ass nigga. Yeah, I said it. You a bitch ass nigga. Bitch ass. <laughs> so, <clears throat> he gonna say, oh, I'm gonna catch him on retirement. So now, now they have an altercation when he retires. He has no alibi. He can't say, oh, blah, blah, blah. no, you flat out right there. On record, on television, so you so you could be recorded, reported, and all kinds of stuff. Said that the next time that when I retire, I plan on running into it again. When I do, there's actually going to be a problem, just like it was the last time, because you don't know how to handle yourself like a man or like an adult, for that matter. So yeah, you get the Richard Cranium Award for the week. And <laughs> following his stupidity is a guy that I I didn't really see this coming from. But, you know, we're going to have to call a spade a spade and, and give him his dues. He comes from you. Goes to Amendola. The sorry, let me, let me let me make sure you know what this award is. This is the Odell Beckham Mr. Hanky Dirty Player Award, <laughs> and that goes to Amendola. Listen, I, I said it before. I said it earlier, uh, or, or, or if you heard it early, like I, I'm, I'm gonna say it again. 
the dirty players like dirty plays like this have to be considered unacceptable. Like if the NFL is gonna be the NFL as as they really truly say that they are and wanna and wanna and wanna say that player safety is number one after their after fattening in their pockets. You know what I mean? But play, player safety does lessen their pockets because they lose out on lawsuits. So I can see that player safety is number one. And you gotta suspend them. You have to suspend Amendola the same exact way that you suspended that you suspended Odell Beckham Jr. Now the only thing I can see them possibly saying about this is that Odell Beckham Jr. was not just suspended for that one launching hit that he did against Newman or Norman. You understand? That it was a combination of the punches thrown and and what and and all the extracurricular activity that went 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 off throughout the game, and also I believe somebody saying when they had brought up the old Beckham stuff that they said there were three incidences that had occurred um during the game that could have gotten him even kicked out the game or gotten him suspended and or fined. So due to the culmination of offenses that he did that game is the reason why they suspended him. That's what you say. But you know what everybody else really just saw. Was Holdell Beckham Jr. launching himself like a freaking missile into dude's into dude's jaw? Lucky that he didn't break him jaw, break his jaw, or knock him out. But you know what? A guy like Amendola, that doesn't he have concussion? I don't know if he has concussion. I don't want to say that he does, but I know that Wes Welker did, and I, and he's basically taking over what Wes Welker used to do. So like to launch himself like that at a, at a player. And like I said, and it's not the fact that he that he was that he didn't block the play. It's the fact that he the way he launched the play, and that may be also the other thing that comes into it, is that if he if they put him for a game suspension and he's gonna appeal it, and then I don't know what happens after that. He only gets fined because they're gonna say, well, it wasn't malice like there was with Odell Beckham because I know they took the malice into consideration. Even though they say that they don't, and they're gonna say that it wasn't three offensive like it was Odell Beckham. But I know you really only took in the fact that he launched himself into the dude's jaw. Inside or inside the dude's temple, so we gonna see what's gonna happen. But end of the day, Amendola needs to be suspended for that hit that he that that he took that he laid on that guy. Like that that was unacceptable. That was dirty. I I I'm, I'm putting him in the same kind of scum category that I'm putting Odell Beckham Jr. Like he he's an old dirty player. He's an ODP to me. Like I, I I don't like it. I, I and I don't want. I don't, it shouldn't be tolerated. He should be gone next game. And <laughs> and and. I don't, I don't want to go into that too much because other than that, there were some really good games that happened last week. You know, all the games were interesting. Kansas City didn't go anywhere close to where I thought they were going to go. But you know what? It, it, made, it made me realize something more about if Terrell Owens is still being looked at now as the bad guy when he was balking at Donovan McNabb on the sideline for not speeding up the pace of the game. You understand? Like, because we, we, look, we saw how Kansas City played New England. And while New England, while New England's offense may be kind of fast because Tom Brady needs to be protected, because we know if you have him dancing around there in the pocket, he is going to give up the game. Let's just say, let's just put it up here. He's going to give up the game. So... He gets the ball out a lot quicker than most any other quarterback does, which makes his offense fast. But why wasn't Kansas City's offense faster? And it could just be a tool lack. And and I, and I don't know, but like, like, this is Alex Smith's first rodeo in the playoff. 
So even somewhere down the line, eventually he even needs to understand the situation that they're in and attempt to speed up the, the, the course of the game. But none of them did. And it, it really looked like they, they just weren't as interested in winning or didn't want to win as much as New England did. And at the end of the day, the, the score showed. And so we have so we have Kansas City losing a game that was very easily winnable for them as they just couldn't hold on at the end of the season, basically. Now, <laughs> now this one I'm going to find funny. And I'm probably even going to see this one for last. This Denver game. But... Arizona versus Green Bay. Holy cow. Holy cow. Yeah, to say that when I caught that game, right? Because <laughs> I was obviously, you know, I was I was doing a bunch of other things. But when I caught that game fully, to be able to to be able to like to be able to really engulf it and pay attention, just know that. There was, oh, it was the Hail Mary play. It was the Hail Mary, sorry, the Hail Mary play that sent the game into overtime. Seriously, that, that was really the last play that I saw, uh, or the first play that I saw of that game. Like, I come down there, I'm like, oh, this game is pretty close. I'm like, oh, oh, this game is pretty much over. As I'm as because I'm like, actually, that's a very, that's the very first play I saw. I saw what transpired probably right before that to, to lead up to Green Bay getting the ball back. Right, still thinking it was over, and then seeing that Hill Mary play, and watching him, and I, and I remember keep keep on asking who was that, cause I'm like, um, that should not be happening because their number one receiver isn't is out for the season, so I'm talking about Jordy Nelson here. <laughs> So who was catching? Who just caught that ball? And yeah, went down and got to the end zone and snatched it out the air. Sent that game into overtime and gave his team a chance to win. Now, unfortunately. Larry Fitzgerald had something to say about this. And he came down with clutch play after clutch play after clutch play. And the only reason I stopped there three, because I believe it only took him three clutch plays to get exactly what he needed to get done. And once that happened, it was all she wrote. The game was over. And... We're over here singing another sad love song. And Green Bay made a good run, but listen, Green Bay had way too many injuries this season to be the competitive team that they should be. Eddie Lacy coming in out of shape didn't help. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't because I want to say that Clay Mathis, Clay Matthews may have had a a, 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 a rather mediocre season but I, I don't remember him standing out much but I do remember him changing positions because of a scheme change or something like that if I'm not mistaken I have to research this that one I'll double check that 
but I could have swore something along that nature came came on about. So Green Bay loses to Arizona. I'm not really surprised. What, what, what really surprised me was the fact that Seattle and, and you know what, and I can't even say that the fact it's surprised me that Seattle started off as slow as they did because we've seen Seattle start off start off slow. What we're used to happening though is Seattle coming back after starting off slow. And that's, I believe, where the main difference was. Is that we didn't see Seattle able to pull off that last play that they normally do pull off to win a game like this. But you know what? That has something to say more to me about Cam Newton and Carolina more than anything else. That that team that once again when they're counting out and I, and listen I'm I'm guilty of it like I, like I'm going to probably be guilty of it again next week cuz not for nothing I wanted to see them win a championship undefeated and once they were defeated I guess you can say some of that luster about them kind of went away and the reality of the fact that they still technically don't have a number 1 receiver they, you know, they're, they're doing this with, with guys like Ted Ginn and Funches. And and, and you're talking about um, Greg Olsen as, as your only consistent, viable option. You know, Cam Newton. Listen, for, for, all, for all of his worth, Cam Newton is, is the truth. Like I said, like we talked about this half, you know, middle of the season when I was justifying Cam, this, you know, Cam Newton's run. He did this in college. Once, like, once he kind of just figured things out, he figured things out in college, and he just muscled his way to a championship. He's doing it again in the NFL. Wait next year until he has, and maybe, and maybe that's what I'm really waiting for. Wait next year until he has talent. That running game is, is still solidified. That defense is still strong. But then his wide receiver comes back, and then Funch is 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 is, is another year in. Like I said, we're really surprised that Seattle just... I guess that's what's really surprised that Seattle didn't find a way to, to to pull off the win like they normally do. But once again, the, even Seattle is dealing with a number of injuries that would make it hard for them to beat a team like Carolina that just went 15-1. Because when you when you beat a team that went damn near perfect, then you gotta play damn near perfect. And they did it, they did everything but that in the first half. They looked like Jameis Winston in that national championship game last year. Like, that's exactly how it looked. They looked they looked like what they did to Peyton Manning a couple years ago. Actually, was that last year? No, that was Tom Brady. Yeah, a couple years ago. So not like I said, that's not surprised. Just not surprised. Now, the game, the game that really, I guess, surprised. And I mean, this game, this game more than anything surprised me. Pittsburgh versus Denver. Even though I picked Denver to win, and that was only because I believe that Pittsburgh was just too injured to be able to put together enough to beat Denver. Man. It didn't look like it. 
Like, and, and, you know, like, it's a couple of things. Like, like, Pittsburgh showed the kind of fortitude as a franchise that I wish that the Jets had something to lean against and do. And I guess that's what, that's what made that game stand out more than anything is that, you number know, like I said, I, I gave it, I, I, just, I gave it a flat out just raw schematics of it. Your number one and number two wide receivers are gone. I'm sorry, running backs are out. Are out. Both injured. Your number one wide receiver is gone. Your quarterback is injured with a shoulder injury. Your quarterback has a shoulder injury. I didn't expect that game to be close or barely even competitive, to, to even be honest with you. But, but Pittsburgh showed the kind of grit, the kind of battle that you kind of have when you're a franchise that has something to lean against. And even with that said, man, did they have help? Did they have help? Like, what did, what did Detroit have? Like, 10, not Detroit, but Denver have like 10 drop passes? Like, listen, you can talk about, you can talk about Peyton Manning all you want. But you cannot drop ten passes. Like I'm like put it this way. Is it not easy just to, just to, to catch a nice little softball that's thrown? Like I, I understand how you like look okay, at let's let's put it this way. Your defense. The defense for, for Detroit did exactly what you thought the de the defense was gonna do. Right? But it wasn't like I said it was going to be, and they weren't the ones that were carrying Peyton Manning's week on. But they were carrying the receiver's baby hands. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what else to call it. Because, and, like, 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 put it this way. Because <laughs> this is what I find funny, and, I, and, I, and this is something I think I really meant to look up today. Doesn't Demarius Thomas... Have a commercial, a fantasy football commercial for that, where he's throwing something to some guy that's sitting on the couch. The guy's hands are all greasy from wings, like he throws him the remote or something or football, and he drops, like he drops like the remote or football. And he goes, and he goes, "What did I tell you?" He goes, "Oh, winner do winners don't drop, winners don't drop something." Well, Demarius Thomas. You didn't, you, your hands weren't covered with greasy wings. Actually, if I'm not mistaken, you wear gloves. And those gloves gives you a grip appeal equivalent, if not better than what used to be stick'em. So if you're going to do a commercial to a regular old Joe on the couch about catching anything, or making sure he doesn't drop anything, because when it don't drop balls... Shouldn't you make sure you drop some nice easy passes that are coming in at, at a velocity that bitch that anybody should be able to handle? That I'm pretty sure that I can handle at my uh, at my age. That I'm pretty sure that, that that a couple of middle school kids can probably handle with your gloves on. No, no, no. Like, listen. As much as I want to say that Pittsburgh played a good game, Pittsburgh didn't play a good game. Detroit played a Den sorry, not Detroit. Denver played a horrible game. Horrible, 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 horrible game. 
So you know what we're going to do? We're going to choke this horrible game up to timing. To timing because Peyton Manning hasn't been there for about four weeks. To timing because they have they have to get used to the velocity of Peyton Manning's balls. You understand? Like this is the first game that they really had to deal with it. And you know what? You you, you may have taken your ball off of it a split second before you had to because you thought it was gonna be a split. It was gonna it was gonna be into you a split second sooner. So we gonna call this timing all around. Timing on the quarterback. Timing on the wide receivers. But you can't drop that many balls as a wide receiving core. And generally expect to win. Luckily for Denver, that this probably has been the most complete team that Peyton Man, like as I said last week, has ever been on. And the fact that they have a defense that can carry them through any almost any single game is probably the most beneficial thing that he has going for him right now. So I can't remember the last time he's had a defense this bad. And when I say bad, I mean good. Like like a defense this clutch, this this dynamic. Man, like I said, like, I feel like I'm just going off all over the place this like this week. Like, there's just some things <laughs> that that we gonna that I just can't get past. Like we gonna we gonna do our picks on the next show, so we have, we're not even gonna have to worry about about doing the picks because you know we gonna have a, we gonna have a one right before the weekend starts. But can I? <laughs> you know what? We gonna we gonna touch on this right when I come back because and when I do come back. We gonna actually go. We gonna talk a little bit more about the Martha, the, the games that went on on Martin Luther King Day. We gonna talk about a future Hall of Famer, and what if Peyton Manning wins? That and more next. He didn't join this team to win championships. Join because there is important work to be done, and only some able to do it. They are brighter, better educated, led, and equipped than any team in history. They are doctors, lawyers, engineers, technologists, and combat troops, all prepared for whatever comes their way. You'll find them where the lights don't flash, and the only contract they sign is with themselves and their country. One day, they may be asked what they did to make a difference in this world, and they can respond. I became a soldier. So welcome back. So I asked you, what if Peyton Manning wins? Now, out of all the teams I've I've thought about possibly winning the Super Bowl, I think I may have had Denver, and maybe Denver is the odds out, like just just non favorite. Like they maybe they have the lowest percentage, and maybe and maybe that be, I mean before a reason because they don't know about what's going on with Peyton Manning. But I wonder, based off all the struggles, the ups and downs, and anything that Peyton Manning's been going through this year, what if he wins? Would he retire? I mean, think about that because think about this: if Peyton Manning wins this year for all of the gripe he has gotten, like 
Put it this way. Tom Brady has won has lost in a bunch of in a bunch of playoffs as well. But he hasn't had a bunch of one and duns. You know what I mean? Or or as early dismissals as as Peyton Manning has. Like that's Peyton Manning's thing, is that he he gets dismissed early. That's what they always talk about. While Tom Brady is always going to a Super Bowl or AFC championship game. But what if Peyton Manning wins? Does he retire right after that? Does he say, you know what? I had this injury this year. I had the, I had the, I had the injury a couple years ago. You know, the, the next thing I couldn't feel my fingertips. You know, like I had a battle back really bad this season. My arm doesn't didn't have that stuff. Um, I really needed to end up like I um we ended up needing to run the ball about thirty times for me to be able to win games because we needed to manage it and keep our defense fresh so that they can do their thing and then me just making the big play when the big play happened to come. What if he wins? Would it be? Like, would we say, hey, it's wrong for him to retire? Like, hmm, think about that. Peyton Manning wins and literally, as a Bronco, rides out into the sunset. That's something to think about. <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> what I want, what I, what I, like, and what I even found more funny, and, and, what I said, and let's just do this real quick so I can get this out of the way. Pete Rose is actually going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Nope, not that Hall of Fame. Not Baseball's Hall of Fame because he's still banned out from that. He is going to be inducted into the Cardinals Hall of Fame. So, at least he gets somewhere. At least he's allowed in the Hall somewhere. But talk. But let's talk about being allowed. And, and, and I just want to say, like, splish splash, it rained on the Cavs. As, as I talked about this game earlier, and I wonder, like, how do you let a team like Golden State, and 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 not just take it, say anything bad about Golden State, but remember, LeBron James has gone on record as saying that he is the best player in the world. Now we all know that's not true because right after he said that, he was going home, and Golden State and Stephen Curry and them boys were celebrating in his locker room. Um, and when I say he was going home, he was already in Cleveland. He was just driving home because he wasn't celebrating on the court. So how do you go down? How do you lose by 30, 40 points when the opposing team comes in there and says ahead of time that we hope that the locker room still smells like champagne and then they come in there and... And just rained all over you all night long. That they took you from front to back to beginning to end, from left to right to you know, up and down, horizontal, diagonally, from column to, to post. They completely dominated that game. And they came and said that listen, we're hoping that our champagne shower is still remnant, it's still there's still, still remnants of our champagne shower in your locker room, in your home. You, and, and this is and this is how you respond to it? Mr. Best player in the world? You have to do better than that, B. You have to do better than that. Or you have to stop calling yourself like the best player in the world. Like, cause put it say. Like, like and let me just say this real quick. Like, give it to you this way. <clears throat> the best player in the world, right? He's been deemed the best player in the he's he's been deemed deemed the king of the NBA since he's basically coming to the NBA. 
So let's, let's, let's think about this in, in a world, let's say like a Game of Thrones kind of world, right? A, a world of conquering and kingdoms and lands and things like that, right? LeBron James wasn't a dominant king over the land. No, 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 he wasn't. Think about it. He had a reasonable, prosperous land, territory. And every time he decided to make a push into a big boy status with his land, right? His village, his conquer, his, 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 you know what I mean? His territory, his kingdom, right? His kingdom was always being conquered by somebody else. He could never make it to the top of that mountain, right? Him and his troops and his army and that king that claimed to be the best king in the world, best player in the world, was always finding a way to lose to other kingdoms and other lands. And instead of building up his army like a good king does, or like a good king should, he abandoned his land, and he abandoned his people. And he left them. And along the way, he didn't care how many of them got slaughtered and were left behind, because he knew that a decent amount was going to come with him. And not only did he realize knew what a decent amount was going to come with him, he knew there was going to be a few that were going to stay and build a rebel army, you know, and keep the hope alive in case he returned. But nah, what he did is that he went with any of his surviving peoples, his surviving troop, his surviving, his surviving land, and he went and he found... A more prosperous king. A king that had won some wars. That has actually won some meaningful battles. To be able to to purposefully. And wholeheartedly. Like, like, like solidly. Solidly. Place their flag into the ground and say yes. We have conquered land. We have seen that mountaintop. We were the king of the mountain. And we have staked the claim. And yes. Our kingdom does flourish. It does prosper. It does, it does bring gold and, and winnings. But no, no, no. While he was there, right, and looking to recruit the help of a neighboring land that, like I said, I had seen prosperity, but had fallen off some. And were kind of in the struggling situation anyways. They went and he went and found two more struggling nations, basically. And those three nations built one strong nation, one strong land, combined all three armies, and they decided to go on a tirade, a tyranny, if you want to call it. And even when they went on this tyranny, the same boys out of Texas that had faltered and stopped them before in the past, right, that, oh, one of the people that you teamed up with. See, it was the same people from Texas, but it was a cousin of the Texas crew. And they came through. And they said, well, you've built this mega army. Well, we are going to come through and we are going to see and fully test your resolve. Because the last time we both met at the top of this land, we fell short. Supposedly your army is stronger now. Let's see how well you fear. 
And once again, LeBron and his kingdom fell short. His monster army of three nations that he combined weren't able to beat the one nation from Texas. But you know what? He was committed. He stayed there for, and he figured he's gonna have to be there for a while. And he still needed to learn how to become a true king. So what does the king do? They go back again. He says, "You know what? We are gonna conquer this." And this time they don't meet the team. They don't meet the guys from. They don't meet the the lands from Texas or one of one of the reigning armies from Texas. They meet their little cousins from Oklahoma City. Because you know Oklahoma ain't quite Texas. I'm sorry. <laughs> And they finally get their first taste of what it means to win a meaningful battle, meaningful victory, a meaningful war. They come back again. And they're now sitting there, the top of the mountain. And you know what? A team from Texas come in. You know, or a valley from the land of... <laughs> The spur from the land of Texas comes in. And they test them. And it wasn't a decisive battle. No, no, no. Like, if you honestly look at those battles, they lost, but they left LeBron and his team severely wounded. Because you understand, they weren't winning that battle. They just happened to catch a decisive strike at the proper time against a key member of the opposing team's army. It wasn't a death strike, but just enough to, to put them into retreat. Because you know what that army did after they regrouped and their injuries were healed? They came back again to prove that they won't put their guard down, down next time and you won't catch them with a lucky glancing blow. And they put their foot on them. And they put their foot on their throat and they completely demolished them. They wiped out the land. They purged it. They 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 they, they pillaged it. <laughs> like you understand, there was nothing left of the land that LeBron had ran to. They completely scorched earth it, forced them to to regrow and rebuild their land. As LeBron now supposedly the king has to run back to his kingdom again because he can't get it done there, and he was just run out of that land. Yes, the scorch-heated land. <laughs> so now he makes his way back to Cleveland. As I said, there was rebel armies there waiting. And there, was always, and there were always whispers of his return. And the time has passed and the people forgotten of, of how much of a tyrant and, 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 and a crybaby of a prince that he really was. But he comes there now winning some meaningful battles. Winning some meaningful wars. And he comes back to rule his land again. And he's, and he's beloved by most people. The armies are reformed. People, you know, people come back. Keep people come back in, in, in into his village, and things are flourishing again. And he has a flourishing land. Until he realizes that he has been gone for way too long, and the game that and the, and the land that he once knew is no longer the same land that he is trying to conquer. The layout is different, and now the king runs into the golden child. And the golden child takes out his army. Starts firing away their cannons, their long-range missiles, and starts showing them what true artillery is like. And LeBron, once again, in his kingdom, has nothing that they can do 
to show because all that they saw were Snatch their hearts. And now we're going to see if he can do it again. <laughs> that is a great story. Like I said, he's the only guy I know that can take any team to the Eastern Conference Championship and just fail every single time and it be accepted. <sighs> Man, next. So later on this week. Obviously, we're going to have a recap for the AFC um, Championship game and the NFC Championship game. I'm going to do my picks in the next show, obviously. And as the power rankings haven't much, hasn't changed much, San Antonio, Golden State, Oklahoma City, Cleveland, and, and the Clippers, this week happens to be a pretty lowful week. Martin Luther King, may have been, MLK, they may have been the best day that they had. But we're still going to watch. So, please, remember, you can find me anywhere. SoundCloud, Mighty Sports Minute. Facebook, Mighty Sports. Twitter, Mighty Sports. Listen, follow, love, enjoy. Appreciate you guys all the time. All the time for listening. So, stay tuned. Stay blessed. And... Don't stress. Sorry, boys. All the stitches in the world can't sew me together again. Lay down. Lay down. Always knew I'd make a stop there. But a lot later than a whole gang of people thought. Last call for drinks. Bars closing down. Sun's out. My tea!